0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose, so we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We have an amazing speaker that's driven all the way in from Lakeville this morning, and um, He's very cute and he um, is actually our pastor of our church and my husband. um, We've been married for 23 years. And he is, um, for those of you that go to this church, you know him and love him as your pastor. And he is an amazing pastor, an amazing father, and my best friend. And he's just the coolest guy on the planet, and um, I love him so much, and I'm so glad he's going to share today. He's been preparing. It was kind of funny because he is more nervous for this, I can tell, than he is with normal weekend service. He's just like, yeah, I got to work on my sermon. He's been up. He was up to like 1 a.m. I mean, he's just been, I'm like, wow, you're kind of stressed about this. Um, so he's, uh, I know he has a great word to share, but it was kind of fun to see him nervous a little bit. <laughs> So he's going to come this morning, and before he um, speaks, he's going to um, interview um, Doug Kaufman from our church, who is part of a great ministry called Hope 360. So, Rob, will you come? And, and Doug, come, and we just want to hear about that great ministry.
1: Thank you. All right. Uh, well, we're thrilled, thrilled, thrilled with what's going on and uh, seeing this conference and uh, hope, and we just thought a great way to do this would be have hope for the world, and we had A21, and just want to let you know we are totally committed to that. We are in with A21. Uh, I was talking to Chris's husband, Nick, and I just said, we want to be a partner with you. We want to be a partner. We are global partners, and we will help fuel the, the war and uh, help do that. So we wanted to have something global, and then we wanted to have hope that was local, because uh, we believe that, you know, here, and it goes out, and it goes there, and it keeps going, and uh, we think it's, it's both and. We go there, and we do it here, and um, one of the ministries we wanted to highlight uh, is with Doug Hoffman uh, with Hope 360. He's the founder of it, and uh, I serve on the board there, and uh, I've just asked Doug to share with us uh, how Hope 360 started You know, have you ever seen those commercials? They say, "This is not a trained actor. This is a normal. This is a normal guy that was part of our church that has done something uh, for the Lord." And so, I want you to draw a hope from this. But I want to tell you how. Tell everybody how did this happen? You know.
2: Well, first of all, what Hope 360 is is our mission is we exist to bring the message that there's hope in Jesus, no matter what life devastating events that you're going through. And so the vision is to come alongside of people that are hopeless, that are going through divorce, bankruptcy, foreclosure, sickness. And when I sit in front of them and say, I've been through that, divorce, bankruptcy, foreclosure, and kind of how all this started was 18 years ago, God had given me a vision of this, and I ignored it, and I've been going through life and doing my business and so forth, and about three years ago, I was in the, the uh, real estate uh, industry, investment and for or, um, buying foreclosures and rehabbing homes, and I was over leveraged. And basically, long story short, with the market turn, I lost everything, and filed bankruptcy, and that was pretty devastating. And I remember this is about three and a half years ago now. I I turned to my wife then and I said, um, "You know what? I'm 42." We got each other, we have our health, we have our four boys, we'll get through this, I'll earn it back. Well, 13 days later, when it, you ever hear the expression, when it rains, it pours? Mm-hmm. Um, I found out that my wife was leaving me. She was having an affair, and she was pregnant with the person she was having an affair with. And so at that point, God took me to James chapter 1. And I'll never forget, I left my house that day. And I, put the, I drove down the street in my neighborhood, and I put the truck in park. And I call that my two-by-four moment. And you, you spoke on this in a series about a year or so ago. And that was, I looked up, and I had journaled about this ministry, and even the mission statement that there is hope in Jesus, no matter what life-devastating events that you're going through. Back in '07, I can tell you the exact spot where I was at. on 94 in Rogers. It was July 27th at 1130. 2007. I journaled that. Never shared this with anybody until about a year and a half ago. And so I put the truck in park and I look up and God said, you know what? And I was just getting ready months before to launch this and tell my wife about this ministry and God said, you know what? Just do two things. It was very obvious to me and, and it was like he was right there with me and he was. He said, draw close to me and raise these boys and hang on for the ride. And I'll tell you when. And so I did that. And the storm wasn't over quite yet. I, um, <laughs> Believe it or not. I had gotten another job, a sales job. And about six months later, I uh, got fired from that job. I was let go. I couldn't function. I was just consumed with my kids and my four boys, what they were going through. And the day I was let go, I told my boss, I said, you know what? I'm sorry I failed you. But I said, I, I feel at peace. I didn't know where my next dime was coming from. I walked out of there, and he's actually a supporter of Hope 360 today. And um, anyway, fast forward. Long story short, I've been praying, journaling, met with Pastor Rob numerous times about this, and just knew the mission, but I didn't know what it looked like from there. In March 20, 25, 2010, 5:30, I'm home alone, and I'm, I'm literally crying out to God. I'm like, God what does this look like? I'm I'm literally doing odd jobs at this point to survive. I, I got some job offers. I knew I wasn't supposed to take those job offers. And I was literally digging ditches and just doing odd jobs. And I was at a turning point. And I said, God, you know what? Like it says in James 1, 2 through 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you go through trials of many kind, because you will get through this and you'll persevere and have faith and you will be complete without lacking anything. And so at that point, when I read that verse the first time, I thought, wow, how can I have joy in this? But it made sense to me. It made sense. So that night in my office at home, I was crying out to God, literally. I said, what does this look like and what do you want? Where do... I think you got the wrong guy. <laughs> I, I'm not a writer. I'm not a speaker. And, and this is just crazy. But I knew that everything up to that point in my life, he had his hand on everything. And, and you know... We all have a a mind and a will a free will and that's why we all need a savior that can say Mm. we can take our our sins to him and just say will you forgive me yeah and uh, so long story short i literally in my office was crying out to him and he said doug it's time take the first step and i did not know what the first step was two seconds before that i didn't know what the next step was either at that point but I knew what the first step was right then and I it was to get down on my knees and I literally got down on my knees physically in my office and I said, okay, God, I think this is absolutely nuts, but I'm all in. I am all in and That's I know a really you are. really good prayer to pray too. <laughs> it's a good prayer. Yes. Crazy, crazy. I got up from that prayer and about 20 minutes later, the whole vision came. He was waiting for me to take that first step at his perfect time. And I started journaling on my computer. This is me typing. And, (laughs) except it's like this. But um, I started journaling this and I I journaled this vision about how I would assemble resources right here in Dakota County. And God said, you're not gonna go to Africa and come back in two months. You're you're here and you're never coming back. Your mission field is right here in Dakota County. My street of seven, four out of the seven homes are in major crisis, right in my own neighborhood. And so, months before I'm praying about starting this ministry, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking to Pastor Rob and some other people, and people have been coming in droves about, well, about 18 or 20, going through divorce and foreclosure and, and all this, and telling me about their marriages falling apart. And, and I was like, you know what, I, I don't have time for that right now. I'm trying to get this, this ministry started. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, now, I got to tell you this too, as pastor... Um, <laughs> Doug's a guy that we're thinking we should be ministering to, okay, and we're like, how you doing, Doug? You know, are you okay? And the whole time, I'm watching him, like, staying above despair and staying above depression and, and living in hope, and, and as a pastor, I've been around long enough that I'm starting to, you know, you want to know, is this real hope? Or are you just faking it till you make it? And we're going to all blow up here, you know? And he's coming to church with a gun or something. you know? So I'm, I'm just thinking, like, are you okay? Are you okay? Gun, so. And he doesn't own a gun. And uh, so, but in the whole time, I'm watching him, and we're, we're giving him what we can as a church, but the whole time, there's a greater hope in him, and he just sees this hope out there in front of him, and, and it's challenging me, and then I'm trying to... You know, play the good pastor here and I'm, and i 'm telling him the reality of what he 's dreaming for that it 's a hard road you 're dreaming for a really hard road like you 're dreaming for uh, this ministry it 's really hard and i 'm trying to not kill his dream, but I want to make sure that he understands the cost of this, and I'm trying to find out if it's really real, what's going on, and the more I walk away from him, the more I'm like, this is real, something's going to happen here, and I'm getting excited for what God's going to do through him, so then he's getting this birth in there, but I just want to just speak to his godly character in all this, and and just... It was real hope, real faith in Jesus that was building him and bringing him through it. So go on. You get to the point, you're, you're launching the ministry. So yeah, so
2: I'm journaling this, and um, I, I start journaling about what this vision looks like and how I'm assembling just practical resources right here in Dakota County to help people. Here's a story. A guy, and I'm going to change their names in case you might know the that. situation for privacy purposes, because people that are coming to me, they're embarrassed, they're humiliated, mm-hmm. they're isolated, they're depressed, and they're hopelessness, they're hopeless. Mm -hmm. And so there's a guy, Keith, down in Rosemount here, he lives about four miles from here, he's 75 years old. He's losing his home in three days, three days from today. And I've been in touch with this guy for about a year, year and a half. And I told him, I said, I I have resources for you. I have movers that can move you. I have a storage facility that can, because he has no money, he got laid off from his job, he was never married, doesn't have any kids. And so he said, I'll call you. And every once in a while when I started, I just had postcards. I was knocking on people's doors, getting a list of foreclosures from Dakota County. And So anyway, he finally called me about two months ago, and he says, yeah, i got to be out in about three days. And since then, we've worked with the county and so forth to give him a little more time. But long story short, God has given me this platform, and I praise him for it, because here I'm praying with this guy on the phone and and, and face-to-face, and he's telling me everything he's going through, and I said, you know, I went through foreclosure, bankruptcy, and divorce. Now, he wasn't married. But when I tell people that, and I'm sitting in front of people, the wall just comes down, and they just dump it. And the tears come. And sometimes I don't have a practical resource for him. And God's presence, like in Acts 3.6, God's presence, and his, he's sufficient. Mm-hmm. He's sufficient for me just to be right there with the guy, you know. And so, anyway, here I'm I'm giving this guy practical resources and saying, hey, go to my website, and there's more resources on there. Well, he sees my video testimonial, how in there I said that I'm a Christian since I've been seven years old, but I've never had this close of a personal relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, since he's taken me through this. And so I feel like one of those movies where a car crash happens and your life flashes in front of you. And God definitely lined up everything, all my life experiences, good and bad, professional and personal, to brought me to the point to right where I'm at right now. And so he's just one example. There's another guy, Paul, in Lakeville that uh, has come to me and he said, he lives in a mobile home park. And he said, I'm not married, but I have $800 and I'm months, months behind in my lot rent and I I have to pay or they're going to repossess my trailer, I'm going to be homeless. What do I do? And I said, you know, I met with a food shelf right near you, a church right near you, and go to this food shelf, pay your lot rent, they want, to, they want you to come, they want you to take the food. And he had questions like, well, do I qualify for that, or how's that work, or, you know, all that, mm-hmm. and so I said, I'll go with you, and, and he ended up not taking me up on that, he went, went to my website, got dental
1: uh, mobile dental clinic, you know, on there and, and got that taken care of. So just so you know, uh, tell some of the resources that you've worked with. And this is just all on his own. He goes to these places and says, can you donate this? Can you help with this if I get people that need this? Give some of the things that you've sure. been able to partner um, with. First
2: when I started this, I thought, I'm just gonna line up volunteers. And then I realized pretty quickly that that's, that's gonna be a train wreck. I wouldn't be able to, to manage all this because there's so many people coming. So I went to businesses and said, hey, will you donate a, do- a dealership for example, will you donate time and resources to fix people's cars if I refer them to you? And we won't refer, you know, 20 people a month, but can you do something? So dealerships, lawn care services, my neighbor down the street, three houses down, her husband left her, took the lawnmower. You know, she didn't have a way to cut her grass. You know, so I got companies that will say, yeah, even if they cut the grass one time, just do something. And it's kind of like that, st- that message that Andy Stanley put on it said, um, do what you want to do for the masses for one. And there's often times when I wake up and I, I think I have to do that for this one person. You know, it seems overwhelming. Um, yes. So there's, there's resources for counseling, um, moving services, storage. You know, like this guy, he has nowhere to put his stuff. And there's a, there's a businessman in Rosemount that's heavy in the real estate. And he's got a warehouse. He says, I'll, I'll store people's belongings for them for, okay. you know, just temporarily. And so just businesses have, have some have sought me out. Somehow. <laughs> and it's been awesome to just say I can refer people to these different resources. Meet them where they're at, but all the time, the goal is is to give them hope. I mean, like the guy that was in the trailer, he says, you know, I was um, thinking I should end my life. And I met him face to face, and I gave him a track, and I said, will you read this right now in front of me? He read it, and he's 50 years old, and he's sitting there, and he says, um, what's the wages of sin? Is death. And I'm thinking, everybody in America, these people right here in our county, they know they know the gospel and they don't. And he was hungry for this. And I got I, I had the privilege of sharing with him what the wages of sin of death is and presenting the gospel to him. Now he didn't accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior right there, but I planted the seed. And some of these seeds I am harvesting, some I'm watering. There's another guy, I mean I have so many stories. There's another guy that came. He was going to help me with some website stuff and some video stuff. And he basically says, as I'm telling him and, and what I want this to look like, I don't have the name yet, he's starting to slowly, over six weeks of our conversation here and there on the phone, slowly tell me a little bit about his life and what he's going through and drugs and alcohol. And he's living with his girlfriend. She's kicking him out. And he's just depressed and hopelessness. And I'm praying for this guy. And three days before I physically met him face to face...
1: I'd lead him to the Lord on the phone. Praise That's God. So cool. Praise God. Yeah. That's so cool. There's been uh, amazing story after story after story like that. And uh, we just wanted to highlight what he's doing locally. And a regular guy who was in a situation where most of us would just say, we're just closing up shop. And instead, in his hopelessness, uh, he says, I'll have faith in Jesus. I'm going to go and bring hope to the hopeless and goes out and does it and uh, has partnered with all, is just a regular guy, and it's just grown and grown and grown uh, to the point that the Star Tribune just did an article about you, and is the phone ringing off the hook now? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was swamped as it was, as you can imagine, because I feel like everybody's within arm's
2: length of knowing somebody that's going through right. specifically foreclosure, divorce, and bankruptcy, and so already busy, well, yeah, I mean, just this morning, or last night, rather, I got another email. So the emails and phone calls are still coming in from that article in the Star Tribune. And the other thing that kind of caught me off guard was it's all across the nation. Mm-hmm. I got people from Virginia, California. They're finding me on the web, Facebook, and, and the message that I'm getting is your link showed up at the perfect time. And here I'm praying for these divine appointments, and I'm staring these divine appointments in the face almost
1: daily. Yeah,
2: it's been unbelievable how it's so cool.
1: Well, I I, we wanted you to see this and uh, see if you'd like to help. It's right here. Uh, Maybe you can't go to uh, Europe or other places to help with a crisis there. We can always give to those. But this is a tangible spot with a ministry we believe in where you can go and be a part of. Doug has a, a table out in the lobby um, maybe you say hey we own this we could do this we could offer this service that uh, he's collecting all those things this is just a grassroots effort that it's growing up that I think God has big plans for and uh, we love your ministry and uh, if you'd want to support them financially they'd always uh, receive that Doug started doing this for free um He's doing it for barely more than free, uh, and trying to raise a couple kids and do all that. And uh, we believe in his ministry. And uh, Becca, why don't you come on up here um, as part of Sparkle? We wanted to give an offering for you, and we just wanted to say from the ladies here, uh, here's a check for a thousand dollars for Thanks your ministry. So much. We Thanks. love it. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yep. Any last thing you want to say on how they can help or any just I know they can go to the table. Right. Come
2: to the table. I'll be back there. There's there's four ways you could help. One is obviously pray. I mean, prayer has never been so evident in my life over yeah. these last three and four years. Pray, of course, give financially. There's so much more I want to do. And I'm so excited. I'm, I'm just I'm not waking up anymore thinking this is nuts. I mean, it's it's happening and God's God's getting me through it. And then You um, go
1: from this is nuts to this is crazy. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) crazy good. Yeah, it goes like that.
2: Um, And then women come to me a lot. And so I'm aware of and I'm real cautious of meeting with women and keeping that maybe to a conversation or two or an email or two and then passing them off to other women in the church, other pastors at the church. So if you're someone that maybe has gone through something that you can relate to this and you're saying... God has called me to minister to women. I could, I could use that as well because That's good. I could then pass you off. That's real wisdom in that. That's off, good. Off, That's off, good. Yeah. All oh, right. one other thing. I want to plug the. Uh, uh, sorry. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having an open house next Sunday. So October 2nd at my house. It's one to four, and I, everyone's invited. So come on out. And <laughs> Will there be cake pops? I want to know. Are there I don't cake know. Pops? There's going to be some brownies and All cookies right. and coffee. But it's a time to create awareness for the ministry. It's a fundraiser, but also to create awareness. I have some postcards I can give you out out back there at the table and some mailers. I got some magnets and some other things. So come on back and
1: see me. Excellent. Let's give it up for Doug Hope360. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, man. Love you. you Oh, man. I'm so excited about things like that, and we love to just encourage and champion when people want to do stuff, step out in faith. Uh, And I believe this, in a faith-filled environment, you're going to see things like this. You're going to see startups in a faith-filled environment, because what happens is people start to see that God really does answer prayer, that you can step out in faith, that you can do things for God, and all of a sudden people get the boldness to go out and do it. And so things like this are just uh, an excitement to me as pastor, to see people Go and and step out in a faith-filled environment. So I want to do a teaching uh, just on hope real quick. And I'm just curious. Give me a time. I'll aim for a time. You know I'm pretty good. How many know that you go to church at River Valley? I'm pretty good at ending on time because my wife is an accountant. And when you say 12 minutes, you better mean 12 minutes, right? (laughs) So what do I got? somebody tell noon? noon. Okay, all right. So i make sure. Settle in. All right. Um, First of all, let me just say... um, Chris, amazing word last night and amazing A21. Um, You are, uh, isn't she awesome? I mean, awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. I got to tell you a funny story. Um, Yesterday we found out it was her birthday because of Facebook, Twitter, and all that. And we didn't know that. And always when we have a guest here, we want to be very honoring. And we, you know, have a little gift basket for them in their room and, you know, try to bring them to a nice hotel and just take care of them because Chris lives on the road and we want to bless her. But we found out it was her birthday. So I'm right on the phone right away. I'm talking to her husband. I'm like, what did you not buy her, you know, that we could get her? (laughs) And he, and he says, you know, flower bomb. And I'm like, what? you need, Like fireworks? She needs what? You know, he's like, flower bomb. It's like this perfume. So, you know, I'm just thinking, I'm going to go do this because I don't know what a flower bomb is. So I go to Nordstrom, you know, and I, I think they must have flower bomb. And they did. And I walk in and I said, I need a flower bomb. And, and instead of people getting scared, all the ladies go, ooh, good choice. You know, so I was like, <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I'm, I, in my mind, I'm a guy. I'm like buy, leave, get it, leave. I don't want to tell them the story. Like, this is for Chris Kane. She's coming to preach. She's going to do this. And so I'm like, buy, buy the flower bomb. Then, and, and they're just making all this big deal about flower bomb, you know. And so I'm thinking, I should get a sample for Becca. And then I said, could I get a sample for my wife? And then I'm thinking, they're thinking like... <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I'm thinking... I'm thinking really quick. And so I said, so can I get a sample for my wife? And my whole life passed for me, like in a millisecond. <laughs> and I just said, because that way when she opens the box and everybody sees it, she can just pass the sample around. And then they, you know, it says, mm. so, so if there's an accusation from Nordstrom, it's not accurate. It's not true. But anyways, the flower bomb was from all of us. This is kind of funny. All right. <laughs> All right. Let me just see this too. I've I forgot of it but I want to say this uh, again, being at Sparkle, this is my second time to preach, uh, and I, I just love it. And I'm just amazed again for what my wife has put together. Uh, just has done an amazing job uh, doing the Sparkle thing. And it'd be very appropriate, real quick, before I get in the scriptures, can we say thank you to Becca for all of her hard work, too? You are awesome. Becca, you're awesome. Yes, you're awesome. And those of you that don't know, uh, and you've probably heard her testimony a couple times, she was just a quiet accountant that said, if you ever put me up on the platform, you are a dead man. And uh, so in the history of the church for the first 10 years, two times in the history of the church, she stood on the platform at all, stood here, and even opened her mouth in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so to see what God has done and blossomed in her has been amazing. Amazing. I'm so proud of Sparkle and uh, looking forward to trying to figure out what we do next year because we're full, and how do we do it next year? Do we have two Sparkles? Do we have an overflow room? Do we go to another venue? So keep uh, paying attention to that. All right, here's the thing about hope for me, and I have a teaching on it, and here's why I struggled with it so much. First of all, there's a lot of estrogen in the room, and that just, you know, okay, and all my illustrations could not be sports, and so I had to really <laughs> think it through. And, uh, and uh, the other thing is this. Um, I kind of struggled with hope. Not hopelessness, because I don't have hopelessness. I've got it. I mean, I'm thinking about Jesus, and I love God, and and I'm always the best is yet to come. But I struggle with hope because... I get faith, and and 1 Corinthians 13 13 says, and now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And I get it. I get it. And you hear a lot about faith. How many know what I'm talking about? Step out in faith, believe in faith, have the faith to believe. You have to be a person of faith. We are a faith filled church, a faith filled environment. I get it. Faith is a strong word, faith is amazing. And then I get love. I get that. And it says, the, the greatest of these is love. And I get love. I mean, that makes sense. We've got to be out in the world with love and with a hug and there for people. And love is the greatest. And, and, and it looked to me like the way I treated hope was like, hope was like Cinderella. It never was coming to the dance. You know what I'm saying? It was at home cleaning while faith and love were taking the center stage. And does that make sense? You like that little Cinderella? Okay. <laughs> trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. But faith, hope was Cinderella left at home, but she's got a lot to offer and she's beautiful. Okay. And the more I looked at it, the more I realized there's something good with hope. And I've got to change my understanding of hope if I'm going to preach on hope. And that's why I stressed on it so much. Okay, because here's the way I thought hope was. Hope was like this, like we've got faith in God and we love everybody and we love the world, but we hope it comes through for us. Hope felt like we're gambling, okay? Like I'm betting, come on, lucky seven. Hope is gonna come through. You see what I'm saying? Hope just didn't feel right. Now, does anybody wanna help me out? Does that, is that kind of how you saw hope a little bit? Like we hope it comes through because here's some of the ways we, we do it. We say like, you know, I, I, I hope... I get to go shopping tonight and my husband will realize that I need, you thinking that way. I hope I get to go shopping, right? And you're hoping for a good experience, but that's not really hope. Or you may say, I hope that I win the coach purse that Pastor Rob's giving away right now. So how many like the way I'm trying? I'm really trying, I'm really trying. So that is true. But see, that's hope. That's the way we use it. We say, I hope that I win the coach purse. Okay, come on over. So, somebody, somebody donated this for Sparkle, and so we thought, how appropriate to teach? Um, $328. Okay, so they donated it. And, uh, and so, we just want to continue. We thought, how do we do this? So, if it's your birthday today, don't lie. Um, stand up, and if we have multiple people, we'll have a... It was yesterday. Okay, how many people, it's your birthday actually today? So, we have one... Two, three. We have three people with their birthday. What's that? Make them sing? No, 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 no. no, What are the? What's that? Okay, okay. Whoever was born the closest to 11:33 gets it. What time were you born? Oh my goodness. What were you? You're not like 11:30. 11:31. Was it really 11? All right, 11.29, she gets it. All right. Okay, some of you are like, you can preach every year, Pastor Rob. You can preach. That's all I got, all right. Okay, but we say, I hope I get to go shopping. That's not hope. That's not the way the Bible explains hope. I hope I win the coach purse. That's not hope. That's not hope. You're wishing. Now, a third way we use it, for birthday girl over here, she hopes that she'll give it to her because her only hope of getting the purse is if she get, how many know that's another way to hope? It ain't going to happen. All right, but <laughs> All right, but see, so we use hope in the wrong way, and I think we should not use hope like that. That is not the Bible's use of hope, okay? It's not wishful thinking. It's not, I hope God comes through for me. I hope he's going to show up. I hope he's not a deadbeat dad. I hope God, you see, I'm saying that is not the way we need to have hope. And so after unwrapping this and seeing this, I realized that hope is so much more. Hope is beautiful. And I hope to, to really get you to understand this now, to get you to understand why we're calling this Hope for the Conference. Um, there are a couple scriptures I want to read to you. 1 Timothy 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Okay, Jesus is our hope. And I want to tell you this interesting thing I found out. Hope is used all the time in the Old Testament. Hope is used a lot in the New Testament. It's barely used at all in the Gospels. You know why? Because hope was here. It's interesting. Look at the Bible. Only five times in the Gospels, yet like 80 times in the Old and other times, 50 sometimes in the New Testament. But Because hope was here, they didn't have to have hope. Hope was here, okay? So kind of giving you an understanding. Uh, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope, okay, so he's a God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One more thing, Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Okay, so there's something about hope. Hope is beautiful. Hope is strong. We need hope as a part of our, these are like the three secret ingredients, and we need this ingredient. Without it, it's not going to taste right as we follow Jesus. And incidentally, that scripture that I just read, hope is an anchor for the soul, Do you know what the number one symbol that was drawn on the catacombs in Rome? When the Christians were being persecuted, as you walk through there, if you go to Rome, the number one symbol that is drawn there is an anchor. It's not because they were aquatic, nautical people. It's because they were saying, I'm in a cave. I'm underground. They want to kill me. I need something to hold on to. I need hope. I need hope. Hope is my anchor that is going to get me through what I'm going through. And that's why they drew a picture of an anchor. And that picture of the anchor would write, hold on, hold on, hold on. You have hope in God. And this is the, the definition of what the Bible would call hope. It is a confident expectation and a desire for something good in the future, it rests on God's sure promises, and it takes a hold of us, okay? So you need to have a confident expectation that the promises of God's word are for you, and they're going to happen. They're going to take place in your life, and that is why hope is so important. Hope is a now word, and hope is a future word, okay? Now, let me, under- let me just explain something to you. Here's something that I understand from looking at this. Faith is a, is a word that has the ability to go backwards, present, and future, okay? Hope is a word that can only go present and forward. Does this make sense? If you have your notebook, you could be writing all this down. But here's the deal. Faith has a reverse gear. Hope has a current gear and a forward gear. And let me explain this to you. By faith, Thirty-nine ladies last night believed that what was done in the past, that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again from the dead, and he forgave them of their sins. By faith, they were able to go in reverse and go and say, I believe what you did, okay? And so because of faith, they were able to look back. Faith has a reverse, and they were able to say, Jesus, what you did is mine, and I receive it. I receive it, and by faith, I step into this relationship with you. And they were able to step into a reverse gear and believe what he did so that right now they have the promises of God. Now, faith caused those ladies to get up out of their chair and to come and respond. That's what faith did. Faith was an action word to get them there. You know what will keep you coming back to those chairs week after week after week in church? Hope is what will get that. Because faith is how you activated your walk with God, and now hope, believing and have a confident expectation that your future is bright, that your future looks good, that the promises of God are for you, no matter how hard it gets, you are going to believe God for what he has for you in the future. And that's the beauty of hope. And, we, and, and hope and faith look a lot alike, but hope does not have a reverse gear. Okay, So hope if I could say this, this is just one thought I'd love for you to leave with. Hope does not have a question mark after it. The believer's hope has an exclamation point. It does not have a question mark. We do not say, well, I hope the promises of God are true. We say, my hope is in those promises. And no matter what comes to me, my hope, with exclamation, is in Christ. I serve a God of hope, and everything I, I have hope for the future, it is looking good, it is brighter, it is greater, and I don't walk with a question mark, I walk with an exclamation point. That is Like, I could just walk off right there, boop, you know, all right, all right. I still got more time. Hope does not cross its fingers. Like, I hope, God, I hope, I hope, I hope grabs hold of the word of God and says, this is for me. This is for me. It doesn't cross its fingers. The hope doesn't just, you know, like, I hope, the hope says the best is yet to come. Hope says, expect great things from God. That's what hope does for us. And that's why when you see people that are hopeless, they can't even get out of their chair many times. And, and they're, just, they're just paralyzed because they don't have a picture of a better future. They don't see what's ahead of them. Now, now hope doesn't deny the reality of what's around us. Hope doesn't deny it. Hope doesn't say, you know, that n- there's no problems in life. Hope says that in my problems, while I'm in the catacombs, while I'm being hunted down, I have an anchor. I have an anchor. Now, interesting thing, real quick. Uh, Bible says, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest disease is love. And I've kind of figured this out. Um, When Jesus appears, when Jesus appears, two of the three won't be needed anymore. Faith will become sight. Hope will become fulfillment. But love will go on because God is love and we are just going to love him and love him and love him and love him forever and ever. That's why the greatest of these is love because when he comes and says game over and it's all done and we're in his presence, we don't need faith anymore. We don't need hope anymore. We need love. But these are still part of the ingredients of living here and now in a world that is messed up. So we need faith and we need hope and we need love. So what does hope do for us? Hope will do some really practical things for us. And this is why I think the enemy has tried to steal hope away from us. Because if you have faith... To believe back like you did it for me on the cross, he did it for me on the cross, but you don't look forward. If you only look back, you'll just say like, okay, I'm stuck. I, I, I can't get into action. When you have faith and you believe what he did for you on the cross and you accepted this relationship with him, when you have hope, it turns your, your thinking forward and it turns your thinking towards eternity. It turns your thinking this way. And all of a sudden you can go out and do the things that you want to do that you bring the love of Jesus to people. And hope keeps us from settling on the things of this world. Okay? Because if you look at this walk with Christ, how many know that this is the enemy's tactic? He says, okay, you got salvation, you got that, you're okay there, uh, but don't ever get excited about making a difference. Don't ever get excited about grabbing any more promises. Don't, matter of fact, what I want you to do is get so distracted that you get distracted by everything in the world and instead of living for eternity, instead of living in a forward, I want you to just settle right here. And the whole world starts marketing to us, you need stuff. You need stuff. you got to have stuff. If you don't have stuff, you can't be happy. But if you have a life filled with hope, you start to realize everything's out there. It's forward. I have a great future. Everything's going towards eternity. It's going towards heaven. And the stuff of this earth doesn't look that good anymore. And so I would just say this to you. If you are struggling with materialism, and that is a sin that we face, we all struggle, and, and we we have things and they're so attractive and they're shiny and they're nice and they're, you know, and they smell good and all that. You know, we just want it and we just go after it. We chase after it. If we are struggling with materialism, you need more hope. You need more confident expectation of a future that it's better up there than it is here and anything here is just temporary and just passing through your hands and everything out there is way better. So after all, let's go for it. Let's do what we can right now to make a difference because it's out there and we don't need this stuff. It's just a way to combat materialism. Hope will do this and maybe this is a portion. uh, This is a portion for everybody, married or single. Hope will keep you pure. Hope will keep you pure. And we live in an ungodly, immoral society. We just do. We live in a society that has so much immorality. We do. And hope will keep you pure. In 1 John 3.3, 3, it says this, Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Kids okay, talking about if you have hope in Jesus, if you're looking forward to the future day, you are going to purify yourself and you're going to want to do the right things because you're looking forward to the better day. Now, it's not like this like, well, now that you got Jesus in you, you better get pure. That's the wrong attitude. It's saying, because you're going to be with him in heaven, because you're the bride of Christ, because there's this great thing waiting ahead of you, keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure and do this. And if I could illustrate this for, again, bear with me. I got a wedding illustration. I'm going to like that, huh? I've noticed this, that when you go to get engaged, whether you're, when you get engaged with your guy or a girl, doesn't matter, uh, you want to look good for the wedding day, right? You want to look good because there's hope ahead of you, right? I mean, I can remember working out like crazy, you know, and do all this stuff. And I don't think I've ever met a bride that's like talking to me, a bride-to-be that's like, I'm getting engaged. You know, give me another chili dog. You know what I mean? They don't do that. They're like, they're like, I'm getting engaged. I'm pure, I'm detoxing my body. I am, you know... And, and, like, I, I don't do sugar anymore. There's no sugar, you know? And, and, like, sugar is the enemy. And it's, like, all these health food things. And pretty su- you want to purify yourself. You're thinking, I want to get there. And you're, somebody comes at you with a dessert. And you say, get thee behind me. My behind will fit in that dress. You know, get, you know, I, get, get thee behind me, you know? Right? There's an anticipated future that is good. And because of that, you say no to those things that will cause you to not be who you want to be. Okay, well, let's use that for purity. Let's, let, let's use hope as a purity thing. God, I have a hope and a future. You're thinking, maybe you're thinking, God, I have a hope and a future for a husband. I will keep myself pure for him. Why? Because I anticipate a beautiful future. Okay, you say, well, you know what? I'm this old and I don't know. I mean, and, and I don't know if I'm ever gonna get that husband. I might as well go sin. No, no, no. Jesus says you'll be his bride. You, uh, you can be a purity, a pure vessel that you can present before the Lord. This could apply to people that are in marriages and you're saying, well, uh, how do I, you wanna fair proof your marriage? Have a hope for the future that every promise God has for you is gonna come to pass. Have a preferred hope and a future. Hope will keep you pure. It has you looking forward to this. And let me just tell you again, I just want you to understand the hope is a positive thing. It, God's going to be kind to us. And we're motivated by his kindness, not by meanness. He's so kind. First Peter 1, 13 through 15. Be alert and think straight. Put all your hope in how kind God will be to you when Jesus Christ appears. Behave like obedient children. Do not let your lives be controlled by your desires as they used to be. Always live as God's holy people should because God is the one who chose you and he is holy. And I love it. It says, put all your hope in how kind he'll be to you. So many times we've, we've made purity be like this evil thing like, be pure or else. You know, I used to have thoughts when I was a teenager, like, don't do two things. Don't do this stuff. Or if God comes back and finds he's going to kill you. Don't do that. And it was like motivated by fear. He's going to, you know. And instead, I should have been thinking, God loves me so much. He's so kind. I want to be pure for him. I want to be pure for him. Hope helps us endure the hard things of life. We have to have something to hold on so that we can get through the hard things. And again, I love that about the Bible. It doesn't say that hard things uh, don't exist, but hope of the preferred future gets us to be able to go through the hard things. Um, To all of you ladies that have had a baby, I salute you. You are amazing. Men are unworthy just because of that thing. I'm just telling you right there. Um, You know, it is. It's true. It's true. Uh, The pain you know, uh, that you go through. And I remember being there when um, Becca was delivering Connor. And, uh, you know, I'm just there. I'm supposed to be her coach. And, uh, you know, we got that hee, 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 hee thing going. And, you know, I'm like, you know, do that. And she's going, and I'm like, no, no, hee, hee. She's like, Aah. you know. And, and in that pain moment, you know, she's having back labor. How many know that? And so, like, they coached on back labor, so I'm like, got the tennis ball, and I'm trying to do the thing, and everything I'm doing in that moment is wrong, all right? <laughs> my mom was there, thankfully, and my mom would do it, and she, is like, that's perfect. I was like, that's exactly, and then they both look at me, <laughs> and in that moment, I'm just like, we are going to have one kid, this is it, one shot, one kid, this is it, uh, and, and all of a sudden he's born and, and this pain moment all of a sudden is over joy moment because he's there in her arms. And then, you know, I did one more stupid thing. I said, well, that was so easy. We should have a second one. And I was like, er, I growled at myself. I was like, er, bad Rob. So Arr. stupid. But the pain endured for the baby was worth it when there he was. And there he was. And all of a sudden, the pain, I mean, it has to be hope in a lady's heart that she knows she's going to hold a baby to want to even attempt this. You know, because have you ever seen a movie where they're like, "La, la, 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 just having a baby? No, it's always like, ah, ah, Yeah. so... Ladies are terrified from this. So you have to have the hope and the desire for a better future to even attempt this. Grasp that. Man, hope will get you to endure the pain. Hope will get you there. When you're trapped in a tunnel of misery, I wrote this down, hope points to the light at the end of the tunnel. When you're overworked and exhausted, hope gives you fresh energy. When you're discouraged, hope lifts your spirits. When you're tempted to quit, hope keeps you going. When you lose your way and confusion blurs the destination, hope dulls the edge of panic. When we struggle with a crippling disease or a lingering illness, hope helps us persevere beyond the pain. When we fear the worst, and by the way, that amen is from a a cancer survivor. Come on, give me another amen. Yeah. When we fear the worst, hope brings reminders that God is still in control. When we endure the consequences of a bad decision, hope fuels our recovery. And some of you are here. We sponsored some people from Teen Challenge. You don't have to identify yourself. But we love you, and we're thrilled that you're part of Sparkle, and that we could offer some uh, scholarships to get you guys here. But you have those consequences of bad decision. Hope is what fuels your recovery. When you start saying, there is a good home for me in the future. There is a job ahead of me. There is a good future. Man, that helps fuel your recovery. Man, that's why hope is so important. When we feel forced to sit back and wait, hope gives us the patience to trust. When we feel rejected and abandoned, hope reminds us that we're not alone. When we say our final farewell to someone we love, hope in the life beyond gets us through the grief. Man, that's why hope is so important to us. Do not lose fact, do not lose sight of the fact that we are not crossing our fingers. Hope is an exclamation point that everything God said is true. That everything he promised us will come to pass. He is not like us. He is not man that he would lie. That's what the Bible says. He's not going to lie to us. He's going to fulfill every promise that he said. That's why we have hope. That should give us just a joy in our step. And and can I tell you this amazing thing that I haven't fully developed? The, The more struggle we have and the more we hold on to hope, the more our hope gets secure, the stronger we become, the more hope just like, oozes out of us if you notice in Doug's testimony like he's in pain but because he has hope and he holds on to God and the more he holds on to God and the harder it gets it's like one thing comes and the next and the next it's it's like hope has this calculus equation that multiplies within us and all of a sudden the harder it gets the more hope we get and the more hope we get the stronger we get and it just oozes out of us it's kind of a cool thing the way that God has created that in us And when you hold on to God and you have that hope through the struggle, it says to a world that your faith is real. It says to a world that they can believe. When we give up, when we give up, we tell the world that they they need a question. Can they really believe? We've got to hold on and hope, believing for exactly what he said. And we say, God, I will not let go of you. Now, if you want more hope, and just real quickly, You need to get the word into you because it's very similar to faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, if you need more hope, you need to get into the word. Another thing you need to do is we got to start focusing on heaven. And if I could commission worship leaders and songwriters here, man, you got to write about heaven. We have got to sing about heaven. And I think it's an attack of the enemy. Why? Because if we sing like, Jesus is good today, Jesus is good today, and that's all good. We sing about today, today, today. we got to th- sing about the hope that's ahead of us. Because if, if the world can take away the hope that is ahead of us and we lose that, we will start getting overwhelmed with today and we'll get discouraged in today and we'll quit. So we need to fix our eyes on heaven. We should be talking about heaven more, reading about heaven thinking about heaven, singing about heaven, and and it should be more of our vocabulary. Another thing that we should do, um, we should learn to preach to ourselves. This is what I mean, all right? Psalm 42, verse five and six. Psalmist says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. He's saying, you know what, I'm down." Have you ever had to do that? You're like, you're down. You're like, I can do this. 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 know, I can do this. I can, I can do this. And you're kind of like w- hoping that one of those, I can do this will convince you, you know, <laughs> but you start preaching, have a little, have a little word in there. All right. Don't just keep saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Throw a little, I think I can, with a little promise of God in there. Start preaching to yourself. Stand in front of a mirror if you have to. Preach at yourself, point, do whatever you got to do. But some of you need to learn how to do that. The psalmist had to do it. Why so downcast, all oh my soul? Why so disturbed with me? Put your hope in God. Come on. Let's go. I'm going to do it. And you start preaching to yourself. And you get, yeah. You start clapping for yourself. Have a little clapping CD going with you. Come on. I don't think we do that enough, and we need to do that. You need to preach to yourself. It's all about heaven. His promises are real. He's not letting me down. Every promise of God's word is true. You know? Nothing can separate separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I've got it. I'm making it. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you start preaching to yourself. You need to do that. And some of us think it's crazy. It's real. It works. Preach to yourself. So go home tonight, write four sermons, all right? (laughs) And the last thing I'll say is just give it away because when you give it away, you get more hope because hope multiplies. it It does. Romans 15, 13, I just said it here. If you want more hope, you gotta give it away. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now here's something I haven't fully developed and I don't have it figured out yet. And this is one of those... Men are from Mars. I'm trying to work on this one, but track with me on this, all right? See if we can do this. Because the hope of Jesus is in us and out in front of us, we can go to a world all around us and show them the hope of Jesus. As the world around us sees the hope of Jesus, they would get a glimpse of the hope before them and hopefully get the hope within them. Did that just make sense? Okay, because I'm hoping that did. We've got a hope because I'm working, all right? We've got a hope in us. And because it's out in front of us, we've got it in us, and it's overflowing in us, it goes out to the world. And as the world who has no hope, they, what, what do they have hope in? What do they have hope in? And when they see that we have hope and we give them hope, then all of a sudden there's something that they see out in front of them that can become very real to them in their present trouble. And they can find the love of Jesus Christ. That's the amazing thing about equa- the equation of hope, that it overflows to the people all around us. One last story. There was a guy by the name of Eugene Land. He was a multimillionaire. And they asked him once, as you sometimes do, you ask famous people to come speak and inspire people. And uh, he went and spoke to this group of sixth graders in Harlem. So he's going in there, and he's got his notes. He's a millionaire. He's got his thing. And he looks out at the class, and he realized these kids, he's looking at them, he's like, these kids have little hope. They've been told, like, most of these kids will never graduate from high school, ever. They just won't. And so he's going to try to give him his speech and he's going to do his little speech there and all of a sudden he's like, ditches the speech. Speaks from his heart. And he just says this, he says the craziest thing, he says, if you guys will all stay in school, I'll help pay for your college. How many know that got the attention of the class? And the class just lit up like, did he just say what I thought he said? And all of a sudden, they got a better picture of their future because somebody planted a seed of hope in them. So that class went on to go through school, and when other kids wanted to get into impurity, when other kids wanted to go after drugs and alcohol, when other kids wanted to do all these other things and give up, they were like, but he said he'd pay. He said he'd pay. There's a better future ahead of me. There's a better future I'm saying no to the things of this world. I'm saying no to impurity. I'm saying no to that. And I have a better future. I'm holding on to what's been offered to me. And a class that should have just had a small, small percentage, maybe even just 10% would graduate. That'd be a success rate. All of a sudden had 90% of them graduate. 90%. And one of them said this. This is a quote. One of the kids said this. I had something to look forward to. I had something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. Hope is a golden feeling that is real. It's a good future. It's a bright future. It's something that gives you the strength to make it through whatever you're facing. And I want to pray that God will give you the hope you need so you can say, I believe your promises. I need this golden feeling, God. I need this. I need this in me. I have, I have faith to believe that what you did on the cross was real. But in my situation, I've started to feel a little hopeless. And I've abandoned this ingredient. I need hope. I need hope. I need to know that the future is bright. That your promises are true. And I want in on a big dose of hope. Abraham, when God called him, I just thought of this. When God called him, he Like, leave all your land, leave all your relatives, go to the land, and I'm going to show you. He gets there. There's people that inhabit the land. I'm sure that would be a bummer. You're thinking, I I thought, Lord, the land was all going to be cleared out, now there's people here. and I don't have a kid and all this, and and God gave him a hope boost, and he said, you see the sand? And he's like, yeah. you See all that sand everywhere? Yep. That's how many offspring you're going to have. You like that future? Oh, yeah. I like that future. He gave him a hope boost. How many want a hope boost today? You want a hope boost? You want God to refill you, recharge you? Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would just fill us with hope, a hope for the future, a hope that doesn't cross its fingers, a hope that doesn't have a question mark, but a hope that has an exclamation point. And I'm praying right now, Lord Jesus, that you would fill us with the hope that is the tool we need to hold on. Right now, I pray for the ladies that are right now wanting to give up on a marriage that is not going the way they thought it would go, I would pray that they would hold on in hope, believing that your promises are true. I pray for those that want to give up. Why is it worth it to follow Jesus? Why? I haven't found that spouse. Why is it worth it? Everyone else is chasing after this. Why is that? I've been pressured to do these wrong things. I pray that they would have a dose of hope to hold on to that preferred future. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be givers of hope, overflowing, that we'd offer a hand of hope to the world around us because we have that confidence, that expectation, that belief in a God that does not lie, in a God that will not fail, in a God that says, all of my promises are true. We believe that and we hold on to that like an anchor. We will not let go. So, God, I pray for a tenacity amongst these women that they would hold on to hope. They would have that anchor. They would believe that all of your promises are coming to pass. And Lord Jesus, that the future looks bright. The future looks good. The best is yet to come. We expect great things from you and we believe for that. We know that it'll either be fulfilled in this world or in eternity, but we know that your promises are true. So fill us with hope. Fill us with hope. Help us to overflow with hope so we can give it to the rest of the world and they could find you as Lord and Savior and know the love that you want to give them. We thank you for this, Lord. So once again, God, I pray that the God of hope would fill all of us with joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you Sparkle Ladies for letting me preach. Be filled with hope.